good. All right, so it's been a little while since we've done a uh, F and roundtable, um, but we're back. Uh, Max in a bit of a better time zone for us now, and uh, we're trying to get back into doing this a bit more regularly. Uh, this week, we're going to be discussing whether intentional weight loss is a positive or a negative thing, right? So again, we're going to be spitballing and chatting and probably going on a few tangents with this one as well. Um, but Mac brought this topic um, to us today, so I'm going to get into pause having something to eat. Um, just to really bring up why why you want to speak about this um, and why it's even like yeah on the forefront of your mind at the moment. So thank you, Josh, for having me on the FM podcast. Really appreciate it. Um, so why do I want to talk about this and why is it front of mind at the moment? So the reason why it's front of mind at the moment is because um, I've been hanging out with Shannon a little bit, who is obviously um, one of the coaches at FNC here. And she comes kind of comes from that angle of, um, you know, be very cautious around intentional weight loss. She talks about a lot about body image. And it's really made me think, like, is the action of intentional weight loss inherently a negative thing? Or is it like a very risk, risky thing where you might be improving your physical health because there is – undeniably a correlation between excessive body mass or excessive weight and poor health outcomes. Although there's a bit of nuance to that, but like, you know, sort of from a broad perspective. Um, so even if you're improving physical health, is there a, you know, a, a set of negative outcomes that occur alongside that, like side effects and the net outcome of fat loss basically or the net outcome of fat loss being something that is destined to doom you or even if you and then also questioning the whys behind fat loss especially for those who are already within a healthy weight range who want to get leaner you know a lot of people will say oh you know they'll they'll point out something they don't like about their body or something that they won't they want to change or they they'll say something like you know if i lose weight i will get or achieve or you know something xyz will happen to me you know, they'll talk about something positive. And it's kind of like, I think talking to Shannon and reading more up about sort of the body stuff, it's made me question whether intentional weight loss is something that I should be so, I wouldn't say I'm pushy with it, but like I should just take it at face value rather than questioning it a little bit more and, you know, being a little bit more cautious. So I've really thought about that. And um, I think it's actually a topic that is, gaining more attention like obviously there's been this rise in the anti-diet movement and uh there's also a rise in a middle ground approach i feel where there's a lot of talk around when weight loss is positive versus negative what what to look out for and things like this so basically the the intention my intention by proposing this topic is that we kind of provide a we, we discuss this and we integrate elements of what we've observed or what we think about how this would be applied in the real world of coaching. Tom, do you want to come at this from a, like a medical professional standpoint, like to begin with? And like, because I think a lot of people would say, but I will be healthier if I lose weight. So I'm going to come at it from a medical amateur perspective. Um, <laughs> Seeing as I'm not fully qualified yet, but I think I, I like with that idea of like improving your health with weight loss, right? 
to be fair, I think there's there is definitely a discussion to be had as to is some kind of psychological compromise worth it for changes in physical health. And like you can you can start with that on the smallest part of that scale, right? You can simply say, hey, is being more preoccupied with eating and moving a net benefit for your health if it means you live for another five years or you you feel better when you're moving around or whatever. Um, but there eventually becomes a point down the line where that becomes that level of neurosis or that level of sort of attentional focus and potentially the low self-esteem becomes problematic. I think part of that too is often, I don't know about you guys, but at least in my practice, when I talk to people who come to me seeking health with weight loss, often they're not necessarily the best candidates to improve their health with purely weight loss. Um, like we have, we have such good evidence to suggest that if you're an individual with obesity, like weight loss can have a really obvious, meaningful impact on your health. Uh, but it's also, it's not the only way for you to improve your health. Like all of those weight loss behaviors will all independently help you without you having to lose weight. Um, so things like exercising, things like eating sufficient plant matter, like dietary quality, those kind of ideas. Um, but the thing is, as you get closer to that sort of, I've got a couple of kilos to lose position, a lot of people find themselves in and a lot of people who work with nutritional professionals, I think, are people who've already done a lot of fitness things and then go, okay, I've bought into this ideal of what health is and it's the, the bloke with the six pack, it's the girl competing in bikini. Um, and the reality is that couple of kilos of weight loss may not actually be as beneficial for their health but the health the health argument gives them sufficient justification to sort of engage with that yeah i think there's there's kind of two ways i want to like then take this is like okay what what is like one of them is like what is the trade-off like if you want to you know let's say lose weight and become a leaner individual you want to lose some body fat like what is it costing you okay so if you're Okay, let's say, for example, you're the obese individual, then, you know, maybe a couple of behavioral changes will actually help you feel a bit healthier. Whereas if you are already quite, like, let's say the the normal body weight, like the, the average body weight, the person who's looking to just lose like a couple of kilos, is it worth the trade-off of your social and emotional health, right? And this is where, like, we're so big on the deep health perspective and that you're, you're basically only as strong as your weakest link. So if you then pursue that, that drop of five kilos, but it, it means that you can't enjoy social meals or you can't enjoy meals with your family or you have to track absolutely everything, then you're no longer actually a, becoming a healthier person because health isn't just physical. It's also all those other things, social, emotional, economic, existential, mental, all those kinds of things as well. Um, yeah, Tom. Yeah, well, look, I don't want to be the nerd who reduces everything to numbers. But I think on the idea of like the cost, the cost to benefit ratio thing you've brought up, it's also like worth, if someone does have health aspirations, worth setting some sort of criteria or ways of actually engaging with that. Like that may literally be, and I know Mac, you've spoken about this before, like looking at what your blood test is like, you know, like a, what, are you, what are your blood lipids like? What's your HbA1c? What's your fasted blood glucose? Like you can look at those things and go, okay, this is a picture of my health. 
And if a lot of those variables are fine, it may actually give you a bit of feedback. Hey, like there's not as much to improve here as I may have thought. Um, or if you've got like problematic markers there too, it may be that you can improve those with like nutrition and, and exercise and those kind of things. But you also may need some kind of like pharmacological help too, um, which like there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Yeah. I mm. think that's where like a deep, you know, from the practitioner perspective, going through a really thorough goal setting process is important. Like I would say, you know, a lot of clients come to us, they, they want to, you know, lose weight or they want to improve their physique or whatever, whatever it is, right? So one thing I like to do is go through like, okay, what, what does life look like on the other side of that goal? And we're starting to get a bit clearer of like why they want to achieve these things. So we're not just saying like, oh, why do you want to achieve that goal? Why, why, why? It's like, okay, how will you think, act and feel differently? How, how will you feel healthier? Like what, what are you actually trying to pursue by being healthier? And I, I like to think like how, what would you, how will you think, act and feel differently? What does life look like when you are a healthier version of yourself? And then we're starting to get, to get some tangible things to work with and go, okay, like there are other ways that you can become that healthier person. Or yeah, you might want to lose a couple of kilos, but you don't need to lose that many. Or you can also change these behaviors, which are aligned with that person as well. It gives you many, like more roads that lead to Rome, but also they're opening their mind of like, you know what, I actually don't, I'm not after weight loss. I'm not after being lean. I'm after this instead, being able to be, keep up with my children. I'm after being able to feel more confident with my meals. I'm after, you know, knowing how to actually eat when I go out and know that I'm making some good decisions. I think it's important, like on the idea of the the the, the deeper why, uh, and then also on the idea of the pro versus cons or the risk versus reward sort of argument. <clears throat> I think it's really important to critique like a surface level goal from two perspectives. So to firstly look at the risk versus reward ratio for someone who is uh, overweight. Uh, you can probably get a lot of physical health benefit for relatively not a whole lot of uh, not not much it's not as invasive or not a high degree of invasiveness. Um, you know that sort of low hanging fruit can probably offer like offer like a big bang for your buck. And there is a real physical health benefit for those in that sort of higher body weight category in losing weight. But for someone who is already within a healthy range and they come and they come to you and say, I want to lose weight, uh, I feel like this is especially like you want to do this across the board, but this is especially when it's important to ask those deeper questions like what will your life be like if you achieve this goal? Like really get into the what because there might be a few things going on there. There might be a false, I guess, concept of what the weight loss will provide them with. And in a lot of those, I'm already in a healthy weight range categories of, of people trying to get leaner. It's, they can't use the physical health argument because it, it's, it's like speculative at the very best. And that's like at the very best that someone who's in a healthy weight range, losing more body fat will do anything for them from a physical perspective. So I think it's really important to get into the deeper whys and tease out whether they're legitimate or whether they're maybe honestly false. Uh, and obviously you can't tell someone that, but through talking to them and asking them, you know, 
know, why, why do you think this is true? Why do you think that losing weight is going to give you confidence? Why do you think that, you know, X, Y, Z, um, losing this amount of weight or being this weight is going to make your life better? Um, trying to make it clear in their mind, maybe there's a different goal that they actually want to achieve. And then, like you said, Josh, it opens up more, more routes to run or more possible ways that you could achieve the real goal. Uh, and it might actually be independent of weight loss. It might be something that is a particular behavior or set of behaviors. It might be a feeling. Um, and this isn't to say that there aren't legitimate reasons why people already lean and healthy would want to lose more body fat. Like it might be for a performance reason. Or maybe you know there are folks out there who genuinely love uh, bodybuilding competitions, and that's not really our thing at FNC. But you know, I know people who really live by that, and that's something that they genuinely enjoy. As, and that's a, another legitimate reason. So it's not always like people who are in healthy range, like by you know they, their goal of losing body fat is, or it's never about losing body fat. It's, that's not always the case. But yeah, I think like I said, it's really important to weigh up the pros and cons. And for some folks you know, because there are risks involved with dieting or intentional weight loss, if there's not really that much benefit to be had with an intentional weight loss um, approach, then you've got to think to yourself, well, is the risks uh, worth it? And those risks can be things like a greater preoccupation with body weight and shape or food, um, and also things like effort cost or burden on one's life. Um, dieting or working on nutrition this also requires moving away from what is comfortable and familiar. And that in and of itself is difficult. So we want to weigh up all these different things. We want to look at the whys and kind of create a more picture as to whether it's worth it and why someone wants to do it and whether there are maybe better or safer ways with a, a more desirable uh, risk to reward ratio that might be more appropriate. Yeah, and especially like if we ask the question of like this has happened probably a, f a few times to to each of you. Like you ask them like you know how would your life be different? Oh, it won't be. Okay, well then like why why run the risks? Why why rock the boat if if you're not going to be any different? Like if you're it's if it's if, sorry if it's for purely aesthetic reasons, but aesthetics don't really matter to you or you won't change. Like what's the point of rocking the boat? And again, like you said, running the risk of you know, the negative consequences. Yeah, I, I think it's really important in this discussion that it doesn't just become like weight loss bad, you know, like as, especially when we, we sort of discuss this idea of like, oh, like, is it worth the risk? Because um, I think we can, it's just important that we sort of consider that in like the whole, there are, we may choose to change our bodies for reasons other than strictly health, um, and provided people, I think provided people like actually think through and interrogate those ideas and go, okay, this is why, this is sort of the thought process behind it. I think it's like totally reasonable. Um, and something I'll often pose to people is I'll ask them, I'll be like, who told you that? So like if someone comes in, oh, like I want to lose a couple of kilos because like it'll make me healthier. I'll go like, oh, who told you that? Or like, where does that idea come from? Because often... And again, if we're sort of creating this caricature, we're creating this um, like avatar of a person who's could probably lose a couple of kilos, but has no meaningful health problems. Uh, their body weight definitely isn't impacting their health. And that uh, that weight loss they're seeking might be relatively invasive. Um, and often with those people, you might notice they're plagued a little bit by ambivalence too. Like it's they're the people who are always looking for the next trick, the next plan, the next the next thing they can do or answer someone else can give them. 
Um, and like in those positions worth asking, like, oh, like where does that impulse actually come from? And like, what's the point behind it? Yeah, I think that that might even lead to something I wanted to discuss about like the source of motivation as well. Like, is it a controlling or is it an autonomous uh, form of motivation? Now, you know, there's practitioners that might say, oh, motivation doesn't matter, but it fucking does, right? The quality of motivation matters. Um, the source of motivation matters. Some people may have this controlling source of motivation where they think, I have to lose weight. I must lose weight. And that's actually not very positive. It can lead to negative consequences in regards to outcomes, but also on their well-being as well. If it is an intrinsically autonomously motivating, uh, sorry, intrinsically autonomy autonomously uh, linked source of motivation, and it's congruent with their identity and and their and their self, that's actually quite positive. So we want to make sure it is aligned with their values and what is most important to them. And that's where you have to ask these questions and get get to the deep root of of the goal as well. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and on that, like, where we we're definitely not. I think no one in this room right now or in this call is, you know, anti dedicated fat loss. Um, but I just think it's it's you know by asking the right questions and digging deeper, you can uncover whether the potential risk for a given individual is much higher than you would think if you just took what they said and ran with it. So like, for example, if you're asking someone, well, why do I want, you know, who's already in a healthy body weight range, already looks arbitrarily good or whatever. And if you said to them, well, why do you want to get leaner? You know, they might say something like, well, because um, I feel lighter. And when I'm, when my body fat creeps up a little bit, I just don't feel as comfortable. And I'm really into, you know, expressing my personal style and um, I like to wear my clothes in a certain way because, you know, and they sort of, it all ties back to their identity and their values. And like this can come across as a very vain type goal. And it kind of raises like red flags of, oh, this person, you know, is very focused on their appearance from a, from a negative place. And therefore, like if we go down this dedicated or intentional fat loss route, it's going to be a really risky thing that's unlikely to yield benefits. But I think you know, by asking the questions, you can uncover whether that is or is not the case. And all because someone wants to lose weight and it's not physically or physical health related or not performance related, that doesn't mean that it's inherently because they don't like something about themselves that they want to change. Or it doesn't, it's not necessarily coming from a place of like avoiding a, a negative consequence. It might just be like a positive thing that makes them feel good or aligns with their identity. And it's not forced upon them. It's self-determined. And when we're in that situation, even though it appears vain, the uh, the risk involved probably actually is kind of a pretty good profile of risk versus reward, um, in which in, in that case, then you would sort of go to the next step, which we can get into a second, uh, which is obviously like, so we've spoken about why the why is important and where the source of motivation is coming from and how that can change risk. But there's also the how. I think there's two parts of it. Yeah, definitely. How you go about, you know, achieving any goal is is really important because that has an impact on your your well-being as well. If you're, you know, pursuing a goal but cutting out the foods that you enjoy, if you're very restrictive, um, if you're avoiding foods, if you're invo- avoiding occasions, right, that's, again, affecting your quality of life. Yeah, and I guess even if I can like put a another layer on sort of the how we go about things, I think it's also what it's not just food; it's 
what behaviors are we partnering it with? Um, often, like it, it, it kills me when I see people who think that going to the gym or exercising is only a thing they do when they're actively pursuing weight loss. And like I'd argue, even from a health perspective, if you're if the sole thing sort of keeping you in touch with all these health promoting activities is the fact you're seeing scale weight move every week, or that is your goal you're not going to be able to remain continuously engaged with them as a function of time. And like, that'll mean you actually don't get the health benefit. Again, that's uh, also that actually want. Yeah. And that's like a form of controlling motivation as well. I have to do this to achieve this. So it's like the extrinsic kind of motivation as well. Once you've achieved the goal or once that controlling source of motivation is gone, they're not going to do it anymore. So it's, again, it comes back to like the, the behaviors are so important and making sure that they are aligned with someone's values and what's most important to them as well. It, um, it's got shades of something Will Berkman, um, industry alumni, said to me once about how like it's well and good to trust the process, um, but you've also got to have a process that you, you want to do and you do sort of intrinsically enjoy yeah. And I think that's probably a nice way to start the whole dieting or health discussion, right? It's it's less of a what should you do? Like it's not a moral obligation. It's like what do you want to do? You know, what can you what are you happy to engage with and you feel like will actively add to your life in some way, um, as opposed to what the bro at the gym told you to do, you know, activate your almonds at three AM, that kind of thing. Yeah, don't um don't shoot on yourself. Um, and that's like, you know, what, again, that's why I like to use the filter of the golden behavior criteria. So what can you do? What do you want to do? And what's going to have a positive impact, not only on your goals, but also your life? I, I think like the source of motivation, I think there could be, and look, I haven't looked into the literature on this though, just, you know, I want to make sure that's known. Um, but I think like, obviously in the literature, the rate of weight loss maintenance is pretty poor like people maintaining weight loss after the diet sort of thing and um i think there's probably a pretty i speculate quite strongly that there's a pretty strong link between that controlling source of motivation and that not really being conducive to that long-term thing because it's coming from a place of you know i need to lose weight to achieve this rather than i want to be healthier because it um, you know, it aligns with the, the healthy person they want to be or it makes me feel good. And when you have those sort of like the former mentioned controlling sources of motivation, it's not really that strong or it's not strong enough that it's going to keep you doing the behaviours in the long run. And, and when that fat loss carrot is no longer dangling in front of your face because you've already achieved that goal, then it's going to be very hard to stay in the game and continue those positive behaviors that will allow you to maintain that weight. And I think that's a big reason why, like, it's very common for people to um, regain weight. And this, again, is why another reason why there is a risk factor attached to the source of the motivation or why someone wants to achieve the goal. Because, you know, even though, let's say, even if they achieve that goal, but if it's coming from that controlling source of motivation, then if we have a rebound that follows after it, how do they think they're going to feel? You know, they've been getting comments from friends. They've been posting pictures of their weight loss rig or their bikini photos from their, their bodybuilding comp on social media. 
they've been getting all these positive comments and reinforcement for others. They've set this benchmark of this is my ideal self and it's based on how they look. And because they've been motivated to get there by a controlling source of motivation, they're going to rebound because they can't sustain it. And then they're an inferior person. And they're also really upset because they're no longer that, you know, best self, which was attached so heavily to how they look and therefore their self-esteem is suffering. So it's like the the risks or the negative outcomes can be kind of like further down the track. And it can be, in my opinion, related to the weight regain side of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like what you touched on there, Mac, is sort of this dissonance between like how people want to live and how they want to, to be. Um, and I think part of that's like, like you've said, it's the informed consent with weight loss. It's, hey, there are negatives here and there is a risk of regain. And while you're not going to have to be dieting forever, you're going to have to have behavioral changes forever. Um, something I've no- something I've noticed recently, and I'm not sure why, like why particularly recently, is when I talk to people about eating more filling diets, like recently I've had a couple of people report that when they eat that way, they don't feel like they have the space for treats or indulgences. And... I find that idea really interesting and like not from a, this is a right or wrong way to think, but we sort of develop these expectations of this is how we, we behave, you know, and this is how I want the world to behave. Um, and then should we, Oh, sorry. I've completely blanked out here. Um, people, are, was... people, people are worried. They, they can't fit in their treats because they feel full. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, sorry, Mac, your, this is really average. Your last point got me over the line. I was talking about how people, when they rebound, they feel really negative mm-hmm. and that's when the risks come about, not necessarily during the dining phase. It could be like after they've achieved the goal and then they don't have the intrinsic motivation to continue the behaviours. Yeah. And, I, and then, yeah. yeah, no, but I, sorry, that, that's it, right? It's like the, it just furthers this sense of shame around like the thing I want isn't the thing that the, the fit or, you know, the, the 10 kilos lighter me needs to do. And it sort of perpetuates this idea of like, I'm, I'm not a person who has had weight struggles across my life. I am a fat person or I'm a person who isn't as good or isn't as disciplined as others. Um, and I think that's shame and lowered self-efficacy also means people don't engage as much in the other health-seeking behaviors because of like the social stigma and the problems around that. I also yeah, so- wonder just to just to go further onto that tangent, Tom, is that you know eating to feel satisfied sometimes has a bit of a stigma attached to it. You know, especially when we think that you know our our parents probably came from a background where it was like eat as li- eat, eat as little as possible to be healthy and and to lose weight where we're trying to encourage people to eat nice and filling meals obviously not take it to the extreme of like food volume you know freaks um but like you know eating more protein and, and plants so you are feeling quite satisfied you're not constantly hungry um and they're like oh but that they're scared that they can't fit in their indulgence but that but they still can and that's why we have this very approach-based goal and additive-based goal and rather than restriction even when it comes to indulgences like we, we promote that you can have one every single day 
Like it's it's totally fine. Yeah, Josh, you just mentioned the um, going for adding rather than imposing restriction. And um, <clears throat> I think that's a perfect segue into, I guess, the second part of this conversation, which is, you know, whether – so we started off like with the question of whether weight loss is uh, going to be a net positive or a net negative. And the first factor we looked at to dictate whether that is or is not the case is um, the starting point and the why. So let's say that's all hunky-dory. We're good to go. Yep, this person, they're intrinsically motivated. Um, you know, they, they don't display any red flags. Um, their goal is uh, a positive goal. Um, it's coming from a place of like body appreciation, you know, yada, yada, yada. So we're good to go. That doesn't get you out of the woods because then you're faced with the how. Okay. And the how can also put you or someone in an intentional weight loss setting at jeopardy. And this can happen in a few ways. It can happen whether the if the approach is fixated on body weight or shape and it's using the weight loss outcome as the primary or only means of assessing positivity or whether there's been progress. So it's exclusively focused on that and there's no external or other wins that are even considered. It's all just about the physique change or the weight loss. So that's one situation where there can be a, a risk level that really starts to blow up. Um, the other one is when you adopt approach an approach that is dichotomous in nature. So it is all or none. And usually that's an approach that focuses on rules or restriction or imposing restraint. Okay. And we know that dietary restraint can be a risk factor in and of itself, regardless of whether it's a more flexible form of restraint or a rigid form of restraint. And, you know, with that being said, though, I think if you can try and inject as much flexibility into your approach as possible, you are probably going to be reducing your risk. Um, and then sort of the next layer to that would be, okay, well, we want to well, fundamentally what we want to do if we're going for intentional weight loss is we, we want to achieve uh, a caloric deficit. But by adding behaviors that are centered around health, we're firstly de-emphasizing the scales and the physique change and we're focusing on health. And also we're practicing and developing behaviors that are more sort of lifelong sustainable. You know, a fat loss diet is not sustainable. So this again, bolsters the chances of weight maintenance in the long run rather than a rebound. So you're also thinking about the, the diet after the diet and reducing the risk in that way as well. So I guess in summary, when we look at the, the risk that may come with the strategy, we want to maximize flexibility. We want to minimize the amount of restraint or rigidity required. Um, and we want to focus on the behaviors rather than the outcome of the scale. So it's sort of like that, that quote, I don't know who said it, but I think I first heard it from Dr. Gary. It's focus on the process, let the score take care of itself. Yeah. I I think particularly to your point there about like the, the set of weight maintenance behavior is Mac. Like I, I don't know about you guys, but I think often with that additive approach, maybe like a, a half, call it a half for the sake of a convenient stat, um, but maybe like half of your clients will initially lose weight at quite an appreciable weight with a bunch of things we add in. And then for another half, they sort of lose weight slowly or things remain relatively stable. And something which I find really hard to pitch, but I try and emphasize is if you're trying to improve your nutrition and your weight's stable, that's like for all intents and purposes, is actually a good thing. 
because there's going to have to be a day where you do maintain weight stability and you're still getting these chances to groove these behaviors, develop these skills, be flexible um, in that context. And you're going to need those skills for the rest of your life. Like this isn't a thing you're going to clock off from in 12 weeks time. Yeah. And to add to that, you inevitably are going to get weeks of weight stability where the weight doesn't go down. Like that's progress is never linear. You know, a pit stop week, as I like to call it, is a very normal part of a phase where intentional weight loss is sort of the agenda. Okay. But if you're so focused on the scales, you're going to think, I haven't moved forward. I haven't made any positive changes. My decisions have been negative. Uh, I'm doing something wrong. I'm failed. I failed or at best you might just say I need to troubleshoot when that might not actually be the case because, well, firstly, a, a week of weight stability doesn't actually indicate that you've stopped losing body fat. So that's the first thing. But it's it's not recognizing the other positive changes or sources of progress it might be like, okay, well, the weight didn't decline, but I feel better. I feel more confident around my food. I attended a social occasion and didn't feel guilty. I ate more fruits and vegetables, uh, you know, like I did more activity or whatever it might be. And by focusing exclusively on the scales and not thinking about those other things, well, we're really emphasizing the appearance and the body weight as opposed to the behaviors and the, and the health side of things. So by doing that, we are automatically creating a greater level of risk and we're also leaving the door open to that those negative thought patterns such as, you know, I failed or, or you know, um, I, I'm, I'm not good enough or whatever it might be. So, yeah, I think this is another reason why, you know, really steering away from emphasizing the body weight and shape changes exclusively is uh, one pathway to massively reducing the level of risk that you or your clients are exposed to in an in intentional weight loss setting. Yeah, well, and I think part of that, right, is we're trying to give ourselves as many avenues to success as possible. Um, recently, I've had a bit of a deep dive down like the whole non-responder non idea for training. Um, and something I found really interesting is that there are some individuals who may not see profound performance changes in training, but who see very profound changes in things like insulin sensitivity, um, in terms of like cardiac remodeling, in terms of like neovascularization of tissue. So, they're not seeing necessarily this big jump in their 3K run time or cycle time, but they're still getting heaps of benefit from it. And I think it's probably encouraging to think of dieting with the same sort of idea, right? There's, sure, we might have like a value, which is a bit more conceptual, a bit like deeper and potentially like wishy-washy if you want it to be that way. Um, but then there might be a whole string of different behaviors and variables we use to sort of define our success as opposed to you know is my body weight 69 kilos when right now i'm 72 yeah i think you know it comes back to making sure like what max are we're celebrating behaviors and not just outcomes because it then indicates outcome good good week i've i've been good but, oh, haven't made progress towards this one metric. Oh, I, I've been bad. But also it can be really risky. I, I think it's called Goodhart's Law, whereas if a, if an outcome becomes a measure, it no longer serves to be a good outcome or measure. So, like, like the goal is, is like five kilos of weight loss, but you can do some really dumb shit to lose five kilos. We want to do it in a way where it's obviously aligned, like the actions are aligned with your values 
and then you can then maintain that weight loss, right? Um, you could fucking cut off cut off your arm and lose five kilos if you were really that desperate. So, like, is that what is that what you really want? No, it's not. So, as coaches, we want to celebrate the behaviors, not the outcome. So, don't say congratulations, you lost a kilo this week. Say congratulations, you ate fruit this week, which is a, which is aligned with you wanting to become a healthier person. That's what we need to do as coaches and steer away from just this this single focus. Yeah, Tom. Well, I was also going to say to that, like how many, what percentage of people is the actual goal five kilograms of weight loss? Um, like honestly, like as I reflect on that, I think it's probably only if you had to lose a certain amount of weight for like a surgery or if you needed to lose a certain amount of weight to like do a ride or an activity like on a holiday or something like that. Um, Cause like you might be on a zip line course with a weight limit for the sake of a very arbitrary example, like almost always the five kilos is representative of a bigger thing. Um, so yeah, like why should we constrain ourselves to this, like in many ways, arbitrary and emotionally and goal that is more emotionally loaded than it actually needs to be to get the job done. Like no one's sort of, no one's getting upset when they watch their body weight or no one should be getting upset when they watch their body weight go up and down throughout the day because you drink, sweat and eat. Yeah. I wanted to move into something else about like this whole, like I think what we can do as coaches or even like even clients who are trying to solve this problem themselves is that it's like, okay, the goal is weight loss. And you know what they, they do? They slap on this, the old, um, the sticker of the calorie deficit. You know, it's like that that meme. He just like that that the water pouring out. He slaps it on. It's like I'm 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 obviously making this meme very soon, um. But it's like calorie deficit. Just all you got to do is be in a calorie deficit. But the way that you can be in a calorie deficit again can be really risky, right? You you could be cutting out foods that you enjoy. You could be cutting out nutrients that that your body needs. Um, you could be over restricting to be in a calorie deficit, right? But this is what we like, I would call that like, that's a symptom, like you're fixing a symptom. But what I want to, I'm trying to push lately is like getting to the root cause of the problem, right? So a symptom is that someone is, they could be overweight or they could be unhealthy, right? And why is that? They might think they're overeating. Well, what we can do is actually get to the root cause of why they're overeating in the first place and then solve that problem. And then you're solving it for good. Because it's going to have benefits on their physical, but also their mental, their social and emotional health. If someone's root cause of overeating is stress or emotional eating, let's plug that gap. Let's fix that problem first rather than saying calorie deficit. That fucking pisses me off. Like there are reasons why people are overeating. It's because they're under eating. It's because they're restricting. It's because they're stressed. It's because it's a coping mechanism. Let's help them there first and foremost, rather than just giving them a fucking calorie target. It does my head in. I mean, look, I I think the the rise in the people like oversimplifying nutrition by just saying, if you didn't lose weight, you weren't in a calorie deficit. If you want to lose weight, calorie deficit. If you lost weight on keto, calorie deficit. If you lost weight doing a vegan diet, calorie deficit. If you lost weight fasting, calorie deficit. I think there is a degree at which that is helpful because it at least makes people not or maybe less susceptible to falling for like the 
oh, you know, you're not losing weight because you're eating gluten and you're inflamed or, you know, some kind of weird woo-woo reason where, oh, you're stressed, that's why you're not losing weight. So I think that it, there's a benefit to it in that way, but at the same time, you know, just by saying calorie deficit and then say, oh, we'll follow this meal plan or, um, you know, track these macros to create that calorie deficit, that is still a Band-Aid solution. So it, it's positive in one way, but it also doesn't solve the deeper issue as to what that would be the reason why people struggle to regulate their weight or their food intake. Um, and also just saying calorie deficit still leaves the door open to doing approaches that are inherently risky, which can, you know, tie back to this whole topic of when weight loss is uh, a positive, a net positive or a net benefit. And if you're doing an approach that is like centered around, you know, I got to cut out carbs or I need to track my food to these three targets like they're inherently very risky approaches and uh, more likely to yield a net negative on someone's overall happiness and well-being. So, yeah, I, I think a more productive approach is to look at someone's barriers or the reasons why they're struggling now and attack that directly by starting off by identifying, well, why, what's the trigger, what's the driver, what's the cause, attacking those one by one because – like you said, Josh, like tracking your macros for a period of time, it might get you the weight loss, but it doesn't equip someone to be able to maintain that in the long run. So, you know, there's this whole this whole storm, a pleasant storm, if you want, of the motivation behind weight loss, how it's done, um, and, you know, whether someone builds, builds that eating competence as well. So I think that's also actually probably another angle is, you know, the – the why, the how, but also the skills. Because I think in order to maintain your weight, like in the long run, I just think if you have intrinsic motivation and if you focus on building behaviors, I still think that that alone might not be enough. And that's when, I, that's why I really like the idea of eating competence and that framework, because it 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 is especially needed in the modern food world where I think if we just ate exclusively how we felt or how our uh, internal sensations or uh, uh, internal hunger and fullness sensations are telling us to eat or with health seeking values in mind. I think those things alone don't get you around certain sticky situations that you're inevitably going to encounter in life as an adult human in the modern food world. I think one of the things I really like about what you said, Mac, there is that like that skills based approach. And I think that's good because it also encourages us as like to operate within our scope. I think sometimes the tempting direction when we try and understand why a person eats is people establish themselves as sort of these like life coachy or oh, like this is a mental health problem and I'm gonna I'm gonna cure your depression or your anxiety or your your TikTok diagnosed ADHD. Um and not only am I going to do that, I'm going to give you a meal plan to fix it. Um, when in reality, if we actually acknowledge like this emotional component or this historical reason is maybe why someone overeats, we can encourage them to actually refer out to an, encourage them to go see an appropriate health professional while we can also bring these skills of, okay, what are your, what's your eating confidence like? What, what's your nutritional knowledge like? What's your, like there are all these other parts of nutrition we can do which don't just strictly have to be making people skinny um, or just telling people what to do, really. Yeah. What is your problem 
why is it there? And then let's find, like, what's the root cause of your problem? And then let's find a solution. Is it knowledge? Okay, we can educate you. Is it you don't have the skills on how to prepare a meal that fits into your budget? Okay, we can help you with that. Is it that you don't have adaptive coping strategies and you opt for, or sorry, is it that you think that you have one roll of chocolate, so, you have, so you've ruined your diet, so then you have to eat the whole block? Okay, let's work on that. We can do that. As coaches, that's what we do. Like we identify the root cause of someone's problem, the thing that's getting in the way of them and the goal that they have and the life that they want to live. And then we help them find a suitable solution. With them, we collaborate. Right? We work with them to find a solution that is aligned with their goals, but also their values and their person they want to become. Right? Because if the action, like you got to, because if if the action it again, is is that controlling source of motivation. If it's not congruent with themselves, it's only a matter of time before they stop doing it. So if they stop doing that, they stop the behavior. Again, if we don't link exercise to them being a healthier person and we only link it with weight loss, after a while, they're just going to stop exercising. In the view of you blokes, you know, when a new client comes in the door, I just want to hear your perspective and what you have to say about this. Let's say a new client comes in the door and they say they want to do weight loss, but the source of that weight loss is coming with a lot of red flags. And I think a lot of people would say that, well, you can't work with this client because they're not in a position where they are ready or appropriate for a intentional weight loss phase. Do you say to this client, go and see someone else and come back to me when you're in a better position? Do you try and find positive sources of motivation or do you just give them what they want, try and keep them safe, and then over time you'll get that buy-in so you can start to open the door in their eyes as to why you know, a very weight loss-centric or appearance-centric approach that is fueled by questionable sources of motivation of why this isn't serving them in a positive manner. So, like, two things. Sometimes you have to go through hell to realize that you don't want to live there, right? So sometimes the clients have to achieve a goal or get to a destination and realize, you know what, this wasn't fulfilling for me. I didn't enjoy this process or I didn't, like this goal actually didn't make me happier. We can't tell them that losing weight won't make you happy. We've, we've tried as an industry, like some of us are trying to say that, but people still have that goal. So sometimes we can help them try and do it safely or in a way that reduces as much risk as possible. Now there's like, there's this quote that it's easier to achieve your desires than it is to renounce them, right? So it's easier to drive a banged up car when you've driven uh, like a Ferrari, right? So sometimes it's easier to say, you know what, like I don't, weight loss didn't make me happy but only once you've lost the weight, like we can't, we can't tell them that, right? I try as much as possible. If that client comes to me and says, I want to lose weight, really get to the, the root cause of like, again, what life looks like on the other side and make sure it's linked to not just fat loss. It's becoming this healthier person. They have in their head um, and their values and, and like their desired identity, right? I try and like attach to their anchor goal. Um, but like, Again, sometimes we have to support someone on their journey in a way that minimizes harm um, as, as much as we can. And then if it is outside our scope, then we have to maybe try and refer it to someone who is going to help them. I think, yeah, I, I would agree with that, Josh. And 
my perspective on this like is heavily fueled by my time as a personal trainer on the gym floor and the particular gym I was working at was in you know the eastern suburbs of Sydney where appearance ideals are just like so heavily pushed and toxic and you know people would come in and say some really vain things about why they wanted to lose weight and I think there's this big push for oh you know you can't work for them or you can't work with them you're just going to have to say no to them I just don't think that's going to end well for anyone including the clients to be like that doesn't mean that you say okay well you know that doesn't mean that you never insist on referring out there are obviously there's obviously a threshold where you know if it's really bad you're just like no I can't do this but I think there's a lot of truth to that you know you've got to go through it realize that it's not the answer and then only then will people be more receptive to an alternative approach because I just know from my experience as a PT in the gym floor, especially in these gyms, if clients came in and said, I want to lose weight loss so I can look hot for Mardi Gras, which was honestly like 99% of the time at the gym I worked at. If you said, oh, how about we talk about your body image or, you know, have you thought about this? They're just going to be like, what is this shit? You know, they don't want this. And I think that is a shortcoming of the folks who are not anti-intentional weight loss, but really err on that like cautious end of the spectrum um, because they've never had that experience in the trenches on the gym floor and seeing, you know, what people are coming to you with, how they're reacting. And they and because of that, I don't think they have that grasp of how well it would go down if you didn't really give them what they wanted. And look, they're not going to work with you anyway and they're just going to go to macro coach Steve down the road. Like, they're not going to go, and that's not going to be a more positive thing. They're not going to go and see a psychologist or whoever it might be. They're not going to follow your refer, your recommendations, recommendations to go and see another health professional. They don't care. They don't want that. And I think, yeah, like I said, this is coming from a perspective of like time in those situations. And I think it's naive to think that this sort of more anti-intentional weight loss approach is going to fare well in most situations. I think what you said there, naive, is probably the perfect word, right? Like, yes, we can do our best to, like, as professionals, post as much, like, let's say, weight-neutral content as we can. Focus on, you know, these really health-seeking behaviors that can really help anyone. You're, like, doesn't matter what their goal is. It, but these things can still help with weight loss. But we just know that people... Like people think nutritionist fat loss, right? And they think improve health fat loss. It's only after they come to see us that, that then they start to understand, oh, there are more ways to improve my health. Oh, you can help me with more than weight loss. Yes, we can do as much as we can on regards to our social media content, but it's when the people are in the doors that we can then change their minds or even open their minds as to what is possible and what we can do for them. Yeah, I think a big part of that is, you know, like denial isn't just a river in Egypt. It's like the people, like often I think the people who are the most, may have like the most quote unquote like unhealthy or like less joy promoting ways of engaging with exercise and nutrition 
are also sometimes people who are going to be the most reluctant to actually step away from the goal, right? Like the reason it's causing so much like distress and it's such an anxiety provoking thing is because it's a thing that at that time matters a lot to them and they really care about. And like if someone presents to you and has a bunch of red flags, I think it's super important to have the conversation like, hey, how are you feeling about this? Like, would you like to sit, work with a mental health professional as well as me? Um, and I think that's a really important conversation. But then if someone isn't willing to, then I think it's important to go, okay, like where is this person in that sort of stages of change? And at what point can I meet them? Because if you keep them in your corner long enough, there will be a point which gives you an opportunity to ask the question of like, is this working? Is this sort of contributing to a, a rich interrogated life? All of those, all those fun things. Yeah, you put it really well there, Tom, much better than, than the way I did it. Um, I do think if we post more about, you know, these topics on social media and talk much less about fat loss, yeah, I think that's going to have a contribution to changing the landscape over time, provided sort of the whole industry does it collectively. But think about what we're up against. We're up against like societal level body ideals and trends and fashion and, you know, like celebrities and influential people. It's like it's really a big uphill battle. And I think like Josh said, like it's the word naive. It's naive to expect that, you know, with all this, if we post on social media that people are always already, people are suddenly going to come to us and, you know, be completely bought into this, like, you know, uh, I guess, new wave version of approaching in, in, intentional weight loss, which might be, you know, oh, weight loss, we focus on the health-seeking behaviours and weight loss may or may not happen as a byproduct. I, I think it's naive to expect that that's going to go down very well. And it's really important to, to go through, hey, like, just let me know, here are my thoughts. You know, this could be potentially a risky thing. Are you willing to maybe work with a psychological health professional at the same time? Uh, or maybe, uh, to be honest with you, I'm not sure weight loss is really the best thing for you right now. Like, I think it's important to mention that so you can get that informed consent. But, yeah, like I said, I just think in the real world, you're, you're going to be up against it if you think that um, – it's going to go down well. Yeah. I think we're better off controlling our coaching approach with clients when they come to work with us and doing it in a way that, again, minimizes harm. Uh, it is the approach based. It reduces restriction and restraint. Um, it's, al again, aligned with their values and improves their quality of life, not just helps them achieve fat loss. Yeah, and I think I think to that right, like the our egos shouldn't be so wrapped up in our job to the point where we feel the need to quote unquote save everyone, and I think that's a massive part of the problem. Like I think a lot of PTs, a lot of sports institutions, a lot of health professionals are like, I have to take this person from zero to a hundred. I need to completely change the game, um, and that probably alienates more people than it actually helps. When in reality, like if someone comes to me with like a really disordered sense of body image and diet and all those things, like I may be satisfied if they're the way that they feel about this paradigm gets 10% better. You know, like if they, if they start having biscuits with Nana, like that's a massive improvement in someone's life. Um, you know, you don't have to fix people. You don't have to magically solve everything.
Um, and likewise, like it may simply be a case for this person right now, you are preventing that pattern of behavior from becoming worse and spiraling um, because like you can't sort of save or fix everyone. And I think we underrate how like important it is just to simply do a decent job <laughs> consistently. Yeah. Yeah, I think you, you nailed it there. And like also if you try and help everyone, you help no one. That's a that's a really, I think, important thing to remember. Um, but then like, yeah, if if in tw- like let's say within three months of working with us, someone, you know, they feel more in, in control when they have indulgences, they don't feel guilty. They're eating more fruit and, you know, eating three main meals and they can eat with their family, like I'd be really happy. they became more competent eaters yeah well because like how many people do you talk to about exercise or nutrition and they've been if i don't know they might be a woman in their 40s and since their teens they've been dieting and over as a function of time the way they feel about their body the way they feel about their self-efficacy about training about nutrition has actually gotten worse like the experiences haven't been subsequently empowering they've actually been disempowering you know um which is like an also like a massive thing to consider like are your experiences like making you better on average like across time yeah how is that working for you Mm. how how is constantly dieting and tracking your calories working for you how is being scared of maintenance working for you but i think people won't start to be receptive to that until they've done it like Mm. How is it working for you? That implies that they've already done it or they're doing it. Yeah. You know, yeah. whereas and if they come to you have not done those things yet, they're so fixated on this is what I need to do. I need to lose weight. This is how I've been told to do it. Old man on Instagram said so I need to track my macros. Um, and trying to tell them that that's not a good idea. I don't think you get how much luck, Champo. Yeah. And they're going to say to you or say to us, oh, what would you know? What would you know? Like you don't have a weight issue. And, like, to be fair, I think, like, it's a separate discussion on thin privilege, right? Yeah, Or at least, like, um, but, yeah, like, I think part of that, too, is, like, not driving resentment between you and the individual, but actually being able to have, like, unconditional... um, Positive regard. Yeah, that's the one. Thank you, the the parenting manuals. Um, But, like, being able to have someone feel safe to then have the conversation with you about how this approach isn't working for me right now. And as opposed to the, like, some people will, I don't know, they might do something which isn't one plan. And then they say in their check-in, like, oh, I've been bad this week. You're going to be mad at me. Like, dude, like, I don't care. Morality, morality doesn't exist. Like, no, this is real. Like, it's fine. Hmm. Yeah, exactly right. Um, all right, let's 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 bring this home, fellas. It's been probably on, on the hour. Um, I think what we got really clear on was the reason behind the weight loss in the first place so the why is important making sure it's you know aligned with someone's values and what is most important to them they're really clear on you know what life looks like on the other side of that goal how they're going to think act and feel differently um and making sure that it is coming from a really positive place and that the actions they take the behaviors they change in order to get there are also positive and they have a positive return on investment for the other areas of their life not just their physical health and it's not coming at a consequence of their social, emotional or mental health or even economic or existential health as well. 
And sometimes they have to, again, go through the fat loss phase and get there to realize, you know what, it didn't actually improve my quality of life. But now they know. Like Ooh. now I'm like, that's the joy of being wrong, right? You're less but wrong than you were also, before. Haven't we all, like, I reckon all three of us have done that, right? Yeah. Like, I think it's the, uh, it's easy to see more high and mighty, but, but like, we've all made those, like, mistakes. I've it's done the dumbest of... diet shit. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> at the time, at the time, oh. n- no matter what someone says to me or said to me at the time, I was still doing exactly what I had my heart set on, which was tracking the macros or following the rigid like elimination thing or, oh, I did the, you know, oh, adhering to what my intolerance test told me, you know, the fingerprint one, prick one that's kind the of heavily yeah. inaccurate. Or just like, you know, or just like, no, nah, it's right. No matter what someone says to me, this is what I'm doing. This is right. You're wrong. I don't care what you say. And then the only way, way I would have ever been receptive to a conflicting opinion or view is after realizing that, hey, this isn't actually working out very well for me. Yeah. It's the difference between, and that's what you said, realizing. That's the difference between learning and realizing. You might learn from someone telling you, but you realize through going through it yourself. Yeah. And learning isn't always the answer. Like it's always, it's not always enough. Mm. No. Yeah. It's um necessary, but not sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any closing thoughts? Gentlemen, um, no. Well, I'm glad we could do this again. Let's get back into it more regularly, please. And if anyone has any ideas for topics they would like us to talk about and ramble about, and maybe talk about for five minutes and then go on go go off on different tangents, talk about something else. And please let us let us know. Let us know what other topics you want us to talk about. Surely we have a no-holds-barred Q&A one week. Yeah. Just let it rip. All right, lads, thanks for your time, um, and I'll see you soon. Stop the recording.